Hey, looking for something to read? Tired of all those published authors with their fancy publishing deals and books you have to pay for? Check out Bob Moore, No Hero by Tom Andre. It's free. It's short. And there are two full-length sequels you can pay for if you're into that sort of thing. Bob Moore. Find out more about the PI that investigates superheroes at www.tomandry.com slash books. Welcome to another edition of AV Rant. I'm Tom Andre, and I'm here with... Rob H. This is AV Rant. It's your home theater and AV questions answered. Tom and I are both, like, crazy busy this week. It's time ran out. This was down to the wire. But here we are. It's episode 669. Very nice. And, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, this number, number won't be this nice until the 690s, and then it'll be nice for 10 numbers. That's right. I uh, So next week is... Thanksgiving, I think. Could be. I don't know. It was ages ago in Canada. So yeah, it's off so my mind. I won't be here. Uh, ah, I mean, I'll right. be here, but I'll have kids all over me. So well, isn't Thanksgiving on a Thursday? Yeah, but they have the whole week off. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, yeah. I oh, see. the teachers have already completely signed out. My <laughs> elementary school son is like, we don't have homework this week. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have homework this week? I'm like, yeah. They just said no homework this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they don't want any calls over <laughs> the Thanksgiving break. Yeah, I don't blame them, man. Teachers don't get paid enough. All right. Welcome to AV Rant, the podcast that answers your home theater and AV questions. To get your AV question answered, please email us at question at avrant.com. Mm-hmm. You can go to avrant.com and leave us a comment there on our website, facebook.com slash avrantpodcast. Uh youtube.com slash av rant though the comments are turned off because youtube's a horrible place <laughs> i turned them on for our halloween episode and that was it because i wanted to actually see uh anybody give 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 fun reactions but uh nope comments are back off okay <laughs> uh but facebook is really the best way uh, contact rob directly rob at av rent.com his twitter's at first reflect i'm tom at av rent.com my twitter is at av rent underscore tom if you want to support uh, we want to thank our listeners of the week. One of the mm-hmm. ways you can become a listener of the week is going to avrant.com. Click on the Buy Us a Cup of Coffee link on the right side. It's a cup of coffee. Can't miss it. Sends you to a PayPal donation site. So we want to thank Brandon for doing that this week. Thank you very much, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. Thank you for that PayPal donation. We appreciate that. And we want to thank our 92 patrons over mm-hmm. at Patreon.com. New high score. I know. It's a new high score. We're, I was we're eight away from the from our, our, our Christmas goal, which I just made it a Christmas goal. Oh, our okay. Christmas goal of 100. All right. Uh, patrons. That's pretty reasonable, actually. Yeah. No, Patreon.com slash Podcast. If you'd like to sign up, it's an automatic monthly donation. You state the amount, and it automatically comes out of your account every month. Gets sent to us. So, yeah, we're up to 92 patrons. We had 90 last week. I said how worried I was, how sad I'd be if it went down into the 80s, and that worked. So I'll just have to continue groveling, and we'll get to 100 by Christmas. Groveling. That's not grovel. <laughs> we are above that. So thank you to all of our patrons as yes, well. Yes. Uh, let's, I guess we're doing reviews? Yeah, we got to review some stuff. Oh. You're going to be disappointed in my take on the on Disney Plus since yeah, well, okay, I have so watched almost week, nothing. <laughs> okay, you said you had signed up for it like ahead of time. I did. And, I signed uh, up for it ahead of time. And uh, of course, the, fir- the day of, as soon as we got off the podcast, I guess, I went and right. 
tried to download the app and everything, and it wouldn't accept my password. The the, the website was completely overloaded. Yes, things so were I, slammed. I, this is Disney Plus we're talking about. We we yes. said it there, but we were kind of talking over each other. So let's be clear: Disney Plus, Tom's right. take. Yeah, and I uh, so I got I got that password working, and I and I signed into the thing, and you know I, I was having the same problems you were having, which is you click on something and it's like nah. Yeah, spinning there. wheel for a while. It yeah, never comes around. Mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So I, I just kind of didn't do anything with it sure. for a day or two, and then it was fine. Yeah. So I've watched. Uh, we've watched Ant Man on okay. it, okay, which was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that we were getting the proper surround. It sounded like I did not check the surround backs, mm, but we were definitely okay. getting uh, uh, surround. You know, five point one or a seven point one, and now, then it was oh, it was up mixing to what device were you using to play Xbox One? Xbox One. Okay, so the Xbox One at the moment is not outputting Atmos from Disney. No, Plus. I didn't get any Atmos. Right. No, no. no. Uh, we. I also watched the first two episodes of The Mandalorian. Okay. Uh, I started uh, Thor, the first one, and ah. fell asleep. So, yeah, and it was late. So this is on your projector, which is not an HDR projector, correct? No, it's not. So, it's 1080p. Okay. Oh, okay, it's 1080p. So you're doing 1080p 5.1, which your Xbox One should have no trouble putting that out. Uh, although you do have an Atmos audio system, which you could have made use of. Uh, it's set to bitstream, so but it is give, right. it seems to be giving me the correct audio from what I could tell. Okay, uh, but yeah, it looks uh, you know it, it, once we got it, you know the the interface was really janky the first day, but by mm-hmm. the weekend they kind of had it sorted out. As far as I could tell, you know things seem to be working a little bit better. I mean, there's not a ton of content on there. Honestly, compared to like something like Netflix or Hulu, right. there's not a ton of content, but it's all like good content. Yeah, like, I don't almost have to... everything is like worth watching on there. I guess there's a uh, bunch of Disney Channel shows that were like that the kids that Yeah, that I have forget, no interest but... in whatsoever. But the thing that I told my wife, I'm like, listen, I know she's like, so are we dropping Hulu? I'm like, nah. Mm. We drop a Netflix? Nah. <laughs> she's like, what? So we're we just going to add this new thing? I'm like, listen, you know. Whenever there's kids over here, and mm. first, first of all, we're getting this for for one reason. I don't ever have to go to Redbox again. Right. You know, right. basically, that's yeah. just why we're getting it. We're getting it so that when the new Marvel movies come out or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and they, you know, I want to watch them. We're I don't have to go to Redbox and pay $2 and then $2 more and then $2 more <laughs> because I don't get around to watching it for right. the first couple of days. So, you know... I do that a couple of times, and it almost pays for itself. That's so pretty much that's a month's why, worth of Disney Plus right there. If you kept a red box for three days, yeah, that's why I'm. That's why we're doing that. Okay, okay. number one, number two, I this is a hundred percent guaranteed that you're never going to have to worry about what anybody watches on Disney Plus. What are you guys watching Disney Plus? Okay, anything you want to watch right. on there, you're a hundred percent safe. Yeah, they're going to totally is. curtail that. They're going to they're curate that curtail curate that that content so that it's all disney yeah pg-13 at most and it's a right it's a disney pg-13 so uh i wanted to ask you did you notice any um in the video like uh downgrading of the resolution or anything midstream anything that well, was i want to say that i did but i, I can't 100 percent guarantee it uh i think during the ant-man we had a moment of it going okay. low res for a second but you know i generally don't have that happen too often here we have i, I everything's hardwired right 
So that helps, uh, but it does happen from time to time. I don't, I don't know. I can't say for sure, but right. for most of the content, the answer would be no, it did not. So I wanted to share a few more experiences from mine. I haven't had got to use it as much as I would have liked to. I haven't even watched The Mandalorian yet because I wanted to actually let a few episodes build up and watch them all at once. Uh, but in any case, uh, I have had on my end a couple of times now, the only times I've had it like actually stop and buffer for a little bit has been right at the beginning of some shows. Uh, other than that... I've it's played through, but I have on my setup, which is 4K HDR and Atmos, uh, had it quite obviously like lower in resolution, and they seem okay. to be doing the thing that Netflix does, which is they will lower the resolution before dropping HDR, which is good. That's the way it should be. Uh, okay. But I even had it get down to the point where it dropped HDR. It just went down to like what looked like standard definition for a few seconds. So I mean, that's all growing pains, and part of that might be you know. I don't think it's my connection, but it might be a Canadian thing. But uh, there were some fun things going on on this on the uh, on the whole Disney Plus thing, uh, news stories to cover. So of course, uh, McClunky, of course, is uh, is what we have to say first because Star Wars has been changed yet again. <laughs> what <laughs> they changed it again? George Lucas <laughs> dropped a bomb on everybody because apparently the the story was George Lucas actually made this change before he sold Lucasfilm. To Disney and uh, and now the cantina scene with Han and uh, Han and uh, Greedo has been changed once again to now include McClunky. Who the hell is McClunky? <laughs> it's actually two words in Huttese that means this will be the end of you. But uh, yeah, Gr- Greedo now says a line before they shoot, uh, and they both shoot. So that that's fun. But uh, <laughs> it, okay. I have to get this out there. I don't know if this happened anywhere outside of Canada. And I mean, keep in mind, Disney Plus is only in Canada, US, and Netherlands right now. And actually, today that we're recording this, it should be coming out in New Zealand and Australia. So enjoy McClunky down there, guys. Uh, but I am so never watching that. In, I am never watching it. In I'm Canada, I noticed. Uh, so all of the Star Wars movies that are on Disney Plus are in Dolby Vision and Atmos which is the first time they've been available that way. On di- we don't have those on disc yet. Uh, and over at HDTV Test, uh, Vincent Tio did an analysis, and the original three, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, uh, they actually never get above 400 nits, but they do get up to 400 nits now, which, of course, they never used to. So it's a moderate HDR that they've added to these things, but there is HDR on them now. Uh, but funnily enough, in Canada, at least, uh, A New Hope, which is, of course, the one that has the change from the cantina scene, um, the day after Disney Plus started, the Dolby Vision and Atmos version was gone. It was replaced by an HD 5.1 version. And uh, okay. when I went to play it, you know how at the very beginning, of course, it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, well, that was now in French. So I'm assuming Sweet. this was only in Canada, but uh, but that was <laughs> that was now in French. Now, the scroll that goes up telling the story at the beginning, that was still in English. So it was only a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That was in French. But... When you get to the cantina scene in this French HD 5.1 version, no McClunky. Conspiracy theory. They got too many complaints and they removed it. No, no, Release the McClunky version. That's right. It's back now. The uh, Dolby Vision Atmos version is back now. You notice that nobody says release the definitive George Lucas version of Star Wars? No (laughs) one says this. He does it without us asking. This is why we don't want the Snyder version because... If we actually got it, we'd be like, ooh, 
Well, oh. supposedly that's coming. I don't know what's going on with that. That's been I, a whole weird thing it's, on Twitter. Other stuff on Twitter, ridiculous. everyone was complaining about The Simpsons, because, of course, 30 seasons of The Simpsons are on there. And people noticed that when you go and watch The Simpsons, it's all in widescreen. It's all in 16 by 9, which means it's actually been cropped. And people pointed out, like, the uh, joke where they went to the Duff Brewery, and it's shown that Duff, Duff, Light, and Duff Dry all actually come out of the same tube. Well, that's cut off because they cropped off the top they, to turn it they into did, 16 by 9. They didn't stretch nine. it. They just cropped it. <laughs> they, well, they cropped it and stretched it a little. So Homer's oh. even fatter now. Uh, but, oh. yes, that, that was something everyone complained about on Twitter. And Disney actually addressed it. They're like, uh, early 2020, we'll be giving you the choice of switching between 4 by 3 and 16 by 9 for content that was originally in four by three um so i don't really like that complaining on twitter has had all these changes come into effect i I don't really want society to be that way we're just griping about stuff online actually results in real changes but unfortunately that seems to be the way things are going there's a big (laughs) difference between griping online and using twitter as a communication vessel i know that right um, there's a, a new video game that I just got from the guy who made uh, The Binding of Isaac. Yes. And uh, he almost communicates exclusively through Twitter. So it, you can email in, like there's a support line mm-hmm. or whatever, you can email that in. But if you want to get it directly to the guy who invented the game, you'd send it via Twitter. You know, one of the things that you, I, can, I guess you could say is maybe a benefit of doing it that way, you don't have forever to describe this thing in an email. You just have to put the actual... Yeah. Hey, this this happened, and I have 140 characters. It's mm-hmm. still 140 characters, right? No, it's, it's still... 200 and whatever it is now. Whatever. You've yes. only got that many characters to send it in, so you can't. He doesn't have to read through a bunch right. of crap to get to the thing that's wrong. But and it should theoretically slow down or limit the amount of bitching you can do as you're sending <laughs> this. But people are pretty creative in how they complain. Yes. So. Well, there are a few other Disney Plus tidbits. Uh, Eddie on Twitter uh, mentioned, uh, we've got a link to this, this uh, that uh, that right away. So 10 million people signed up for Disney Plus on day one, and uh, seconds later, thousands of accounts had been hacked and uh, spread around. Yeah, 4,000, I think, and and (laughs) sold on the dark web. Sold on some hacking uh, forums and that. So uh, do do protect your password and your email that you've signed up with. Uh, Now, uh, Clara... Uh, on uh, Twitter asked about uh, what our Atmos experience has been like. So, Tom, you haven't had an Atmos experience with it. And Mm -hmm. so all the devices I've tested, only the Apple TV 4K so far is outputting Atmos. Nothing else is outputting Atmos. Even if the hardware can support it, uh, the only Disney Plus app, it seems, at the moment version that's working right now is the Apple TV 4K version. And it's been a little hit or miss. Uh, The Pixar movies seem to sound great. Uh, Mm. They've been converted to Atmos. They sound great. Uh, The Marvel movies largely seem to sound... I mean, I haven't looked at them all, but they seem to be better than the compressed versions that have been on the Ultra HD Blu-rays. So uh, that seems okay. But then some other stuff, it's clearly been dynamically compressed. So it's bitter hit or miss there. Uh, Jeremy asked what the average bit rates are like. Um, They're coming in at about 16.5 average and peaks of about 30, which is identical to Netflix. So it seems to be Mm. the same exact bit rates as Netflix. Right. I think we're going to end up needing some sort of uh, standards, standardization across streaming as mm. far as you know, hardware side, not the software side, not mm. their side so much. I think that they are – with the problem they're having, and I we're all experiencing it, is there's too many devices doing it yes. too many different ways. Yep. So if there was a standardized, hey, you know, we're going to send you this – this is and this is all we're sending you. You deal with it, right? Then hardware on the hardware side, we would be, we mm. would have, you know, the hardware. Everybody people get would on have board to, with the one thing. Right. But you know how good 
these companies are with standardization of <laughs> oh, stuff. Yeah. Because the first thing that would happen was we would have a format war yep. again between Sony they and Samsung. They all want to be specialized or, you know, to lock you or in. Or Apple, Apple and Microsoft or something. I mean, it'd be something. Netflix and Amazon. There it is. Right. But lastly, on the Disney Plus tip, if you want to take advantage of the Hulu and ESPN Plus bundle, but you wanted to get Hulu without ads, this will only apply in the United States right now. Uh, IGN went into detail and they're like, so don't sign up for the bundle. Although if you already have, I guess too late, but don't sign up for the bundle. Instead, go and get Hulu without ads, which costs $11.99 normally. Sign up for that first, then go and get the bundle and they will actually give you a $5 per month credit to equal out the difference in price. Right. And if you are already a member of ESPN Plus, Mm -hmm. you can also do this. But if you signed up for ESPN Plus through another service, yeah, it becomes. You had to have done it directly. If you didn't do it directly, it becomes. uh, They're going to give you a couple of more steps, which are going to make it a little bit harder. So it can be done. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I have a friend who's ESPN and Hulu. I don't know if he has Hulu Plus. Right. But uh, Hulu and. you know, the first thing I did is I sent him this link so that he could kind of figure it out. But, uh, yeah, I, I have no interest in ESPN whatsoever. Mm. At least until the yeah. Olympics. Well, with this bundle, you're essentially getting it for free. But, yeah, uh, ultimately, you end up not really saving any money if all you're watching is Disney Plus and Hulu. Uh, so, anyway, I will move on now to my... NVIDIA Shield TV Pro review. Now, I'm holding up the actual physical box, oh, which, let me look. honestly, on. it looks identical to the outgoing Shield TV. So this is the new 2019 TV it seems Pro. seems awfully light the way you're ha- holding it up. How small is that it thing? Is it looks to your face. Uh, it's very small. It's I thought small it was bigger box. than this. Oh, no, no. I thought it, it's like it's the a size of an box. Apple TV. It's, small, uh, well, it's bigger than the Apple TV. It's bigger it's, than the It's Apple. flatter. It's like an Apple TV that got pancake squished. Right, there you go. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so it's got a couple of USB 3 ports on it, an HDMI port, an Ethernet jack, and a power jack, and that's all that you got on there. Uh, now, it's got a new remote. It is a triangular prism. Looks like a Toblerone. Yeah. Uh, it's got okay. more buttons than the old remote. Uh, but most importantly, it has this button up here, which is the quick menu button. That is something that has changed. Now, you can get this remote by itself and add it to your old uh, NVIDIA Shield and get that functionality or it'll show up in your Harmony Hub if you want to use a Harmony Hub to control your NVIDIA Shield instead. But uh, that's the remote that comes with it and finally uses AAA batteries instead of coin cell batteries. Uh, but I wanted to review this Apple TV uh, Pro because, of course, there are people who do not want... Uh, no, not an Apple TV Pro. What did I say? Uh, NVIDIA Shield Pro. Uh, there are people who do not want an Apple TV 4K. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, now, what I will say, the NVIDIA Shield TV Pro... It is the best Plex box. That remains the same. It can act as a Plex server. It's the only standalone box that can. Uh, The new uh, NVIDIA Shield regular, the one that's shaped like a tube, that one cannot act as a Plex server. So if you want a standalone server, you need to go for the Shield TV Pro. And as a Plex playback device, the NVIDIA Shield remains the best. All right? It'll uh, work wonderfully with all of the video side of things. The Shield TV Pro now supports Dolby Vision, so even that works and it automatically changes frame rates correctly it automatically changes between hdr and sdr it automatically changes between rec 709 and rec 2020 and it automatically will bitstream out uh, all of your audio formats including full lossless dolby true hd with atmos and dts hd master audio with dtsx it's the best plex box done that part's good 
I feel YouTube. like there's a butt coming on. <laughs> yes, YouTube uh, is something that the Apple TV 4K is not good at at all because Apple doesn't support the VP9 codec that Google uses at all. So it's 1080p and stereo audio on the Apple TV 4K. It's a bad YouTube box if you want the highest quality video and audio that YouTube has to offer. I was really hoping that the Shield TV Pro with its new Tegra X1 Plus chip might actually support YouTube in all the YouTube ways. But it doesn't. I can confirm now. It does 4K. It does 5.1 audio. No other standalone box does. So you're like, oh, it's almost the perfect YouTube box, but it doesn't do HDR. And I don't know if it ever will because it doesn't support it on a hardware level from uh, YouTube. So I can't say it's the perfect YouTube box. It doesn't do HDR. Everything else... I still have to say the Apple TV 4K is the way to go. If you want streaming services and you aren't going to do Plex, I have to recommend still that you get an Apple TV 4K. Why? Okay, so the NVIDIA Shield TV Pro. They've added a few new things on this box. Uh, First of all, there's a quick menu now. And if you go in there, you can turn on something that says match frame rate. And I was like, ooh, match frame rate. Maybe it'll work just like an Apple TV 4K does where it automatically switches between 24 and 60 frames. No. It almost doesn't work for most things. It doesn't work with HDR whatsoever. Dolby Vision HDR doesn't work at all. doesn't do a thing. Uh, But if you're watching something in 1080p, if you press the quick menu button and you bring it up and you've added it to your quick menu and then you physically press match frame rate, it will attempt to match the frame rate. It just... It just isn't reliable. Uh, You have to manually do it. It isn't reliable. And I seem to have had the best luck by setting my NVIDIA Shield to normally output 23.976 frames per second and then match any 60 frame content as opposed to going the other way around. It sometimes works going from 60 to 24, but it's not reliable. The other thing that isn't reliable is there's in the settings the option to automatically switch... um, your color gambit between Rec. 709 and Rec. 2020. That doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> it, it, just, it just straight up doesn't work. Once in a while, it tries to switch, but then, like, let's say you're browsing through Netflix's menu, you go into something that is HDR, it does switch itself into Rec. 2020, but then when you go back to the menu, it's stuck in Rec. 2020 and remains stuck in 2020, and all the colors now look blown out. But here's the thing. You don't even need that setting. Leave your NVIDIA Shield TV always in Rec. 2020. You can set what its default output mode is. Just leave it in Rec. 2020 all the time because it does a perfectly fine job of mapping Rec. 709 colors into a 2020 container. And when it tries to switch back and forth, it just doesn't work. Um, So ultimately, here's my recommendation. To output from the NVIDIA Shield Pro, set the... Output settings, the default output settings to 23.976 hertz frame rate because manually pressing the match frame rate button to get you up to 60 seems to work better than going down. Leave it in Rec. 2020. There's no need to turn on the match color space thing. And then if you want it to be able to output Dolby Vision and HDR10, you only have one option, which is to put it into 12-bit color mode. And that's what you have to do. So uh, this is this is as of November nineteenth, twenty nineteen. That's right. So Things could change. When you change. hear this, when, it, when this podcast is released on Friday, three days from now, right? Things, all, things you know, they could, could have change. updated. <laughs> so, uh, but also, no Atmos at from me. no <laughs> Atmos from Disney Plus. <laughs> There's no Atmos from Disney oh, Plus right. on the Nvidia Shield TV right now. So, folks, I know there's people who are like, you know, give us an alternative, the Apple TV 4K. 
other than Plex. If you want Plex, get a Shield TV Pro. Done. But other than that, Apple TV 4K. If I didn't have this Xbox One, I hate to say it, I'd have an Apple TV. Yeah. If it wasn't for the Xbox One, I would have an Apple TV. I don't really care about YouTube being in any of those things. Mm. YouTube content is mostly garbage anyways. I mean, it's guys, the stuff that my kids watch is people playing video games. And the stuff that I watch is like cooking things. Mm-hmm. which I don't care what the sound is. I don't really care. I'm just trying to learn something. Other sort of sciencey things, and then people playing video games. So right. who cares? Who cares? I mean, of course, there are going to be people who say, I don't care about the frame rate switching. I don't notice it. Yeah. So, okay. But, I mean, we're we're into the nitty-gritty on this podcast. We're, we're the type of people who do care about yeah, yeah. that. And, we do uh, care about yeah. that. Well, and this the fact that they have all these features, even though they're not fully implemented. Right. It shows uh, they're thinking about it. They're aware of it. Yeah, they, at some point in the future, I expect these things to work, and when it does, we'll revisit. Absolutely. But as of today, yeah, this is where we stand. So, like I said, when you see this, you know, six months in the future, yeah, or hear this six months in the future, you're like, those jerks don't know anything. That's not how it, it's. It totally works fine. <laughs> it's perfect. November nineteenth, twenty nineteen. Don't at me. That's right. All right. So in the news, after PlayStation View announced it's shutting down last week, Hulu plus Live TV just announced a $10 a month price hike to $55 a month. Hey, competition's gone. Let's raise the prices. Thank you, I Walmart. I mean, YouTube Live TV <laughs> is still out there, and there's what other ones. What is there? Sling is still around. Direct Sling is TV still around, yeah. still around. Dish must have something. I don't know. I don't Any know. case, prices are going up because that's what cable TV does. I'm not interested in live tv i'm Mm. sorry i I will be interested in the olympics and that's it and i have an antenna so leave me alone netflix and nickelodeon signed a multi-year deal to produce original content so get ready for more slime i guess we'll be teenage mutant ninja turtles there's going to be a whole bunch of teenage mutant ninja turtles coming cartoons or movies because the movies cartoons terrible yeah, it's going to be cartoons. The second one, the Secret of the Ooze was just, or whatever it was. What was the second one? The, Mike, the Michael Bay second one? is. It's just, what was it called? Was I it think that was Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, that sounds was right. It? Yeah. The, but there was the original movies. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting confused. Anyways, it, it was really terrible. It was, the, it was really bad. <laughs> All right, what well, is this? Comments? Yeah, Com- Andrew, yeah. we haven't even gotten to comments. We're 40 minutes on this podcast. Well, we're at just, 30 because we started late. Just wanted to share his two cents, having gone through, this is Andrew, our listener, having gone through both a home theater build from the ground up as well as a renovation. He says the full build from the ground up was much much less frustrating and actually cheaper than the renovation. So if you're building from an unfinished space, spend the time to plan and spend the money to really do it right because renovating it later is worse. Cross brace your studs and joists and insulate everything while the walls are open. Also run conduit. Jeez, we don't ever say that around here. That's a good idea. <laughs> if you have to skimp somewhere, skimp uh, on the you, TV. You jump down. You jump oh, wait, down run conduit there. and run okay. more wires than you might actually use right away. Out of everything, if you have to skimp somewhere, skimp on the TV. When people are starting out, they always think of the TV first and blow their budget there, but it's the easiest thing to replace. So Andrew now thinks it should be the lowest priority, which it is for me, but mm. I am quite literally the only person that ever says that. <laughs> well, now Andrew agrees with you. <laughs> there you go. Just when he's learned, uh, having gone through it, uh, just what he's learned from having gone through it. Spend on the construction. Good speakers will last, and the TV ends up being the least important piece because, again, you can replace it. Like I said, I mean, people come and they're like, I have $7,000 to spend. I'm going to spend 5000 on this TV. I'm like, which is entirely common and it's, understandable, it, to be honest. It's both understandable and common because it is the most noticeable, impressive piece. For sure. 
that people are really this is the reason we're doing this is to get a bigger TV. So while we're giving this bigger TV, we should also get these other speakers and stuff. Right. So. No, I agree with you, Andrew. Uh, you spend the money on the room. That's going to be with you the longest. Yep. Spend your money on the room. Yes, planning is well uh, easier than renovating it later because that is a headache and a half to actually have to deconstruct things and then patch them back up. It's amazing how that costs more than just putting up an entire continuous piece of drywall. And uh, yeah, yeah, all good advice, Andrew. Completely agreed. And to go along with this, let's move on to our first question. Michael, who can learn something from Andrew, Michael has always had to compromise and make do with whatever room was available for his home theater setup in the past, but now he and his family are in the planning stages for a for building a brand new house from the ground up so he can design and completely a completely dedicated home theater, which is super exciting, but it also means he is staring at a black blank piece of paper and he's realizing he doesn't really know where to start. Well, you want to talk to Andrew? We'll give you his email. If Andrew says it's okay, you can have his email and Andrew will walk you through this because that's what we do around here. As far as the basic concept, this room is completely dedicated to movies. He isn't even thinking gaming or live sports as he will have a family room for those things. This is going to be a movie theater. He's got five kids plus his wife and himself. Five kids. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. They don't tend to have super, have large groups of friends over, but he's thinking there could end up being nine or ten people in this theater sometimes. They would prefer... For all their speakers and gear to be out of sight, of course. And again, he's really thinking theater, so he has visions of something like a 200-inch screen. Yeah, I'm going to We're, we're going to be that. suggesting smaller than that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because if you go 200-inch screen, you have to go projector that you don't want to <laughs> spend the money on in order to make it do the things you want it to do. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how do you feel about like 130 Five. Yeah, one thirty-five, and that's a that's the sweet spot to me of yeah. performance to size to price. But one fifty could be doable. So he but he admits he does not consider himself well informed when it comes to planning and, and building an entire th- dedicated theater from scratch, dude. That's pretty much us as well. We'd have to sit down and do some research. <laughs> You're not alone in this. He has talked to a few salespeople and installers as well as some friends, and they got very excited about doing major soundproofing and putting everything behind acoustically transparent screens and pan- wall panels. You won't see any speakers. Mm-hmm. So that he would like, like an installer, all right. <laughs> it sure does. He would like our help to, uh, just to get him started and to help him feel less overwhelmed. So to start with, question yes. number one. Perhaps we could just tell him what dimensions his room should be. Uh, that would at least give him a starting point. Well, you're going to want either one very wide theater <laughs> for ten, with with a ten seater couch. Well, actually, let's let's talk about the seating right away because uh, people always think of how what is the maximum number of people I might ever have in this theater, and they plan on getting that many seats. Right, and right. that almost always ends up being a bad deal uh, because well, people end up with a, like. It's a huge waste of money because you have yeah. a bunch of chairs that are never being used. So yeah. you get the number of chairs you're actually going to use. Yes, on a very regular basis. How many chairs and, are you actually going to use? And if you need to have three or four more, you throw some beanbags down in the front. You throw some tall bar stools in at the back. But the vast majority of the time, how many people are actually going to be in the theater and get that many seats plan on because people end up with like three four rows sometimes and then what turns out they actually use two of those two. seats like all the time right right so it's so easy to end up with uh you know your eyes being bigger than your mouth type of thing you, you end up t- doing a lot I, more and a lot larger than you actually need so he needs he needs seven seats so i would go with sure. two four-seater couches or you know not necessarily four-seater couches but four two rows of mm-hmm. of four recliners or theater seating or whatever kind of seating you want that's eight seats 
That's your family plus one. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mean, a lot of times when you have people over, they got smaller kids. So either they're on the floor because they don't care yeah. or they're sitting on a lap. Or if you have this, so you have love seats, you can kind of squeeze yeah. more people in there as well. No, I mean, so. I could certainly see something like, um, you know, your primary seats are like a love seat and maybe a recliner to either side. Uh, you know, that's four seats in the front and the back. You could have just I mean, you could even just have a couch and that's yeah. almost certainly going to be perfect. Right. You know? Yeah, without yeah. going overboard. So with that in mind, if that's what you go for... Uh, now, one thing that's easy is if you stick to the dimensions of your room being prime numbers, you will never run into a problem of room modes doubling up on each other because, of course, prime numbers are only divisible by one and themselves. So you don't so. end up in a situation where you have room modes overlapping if you stick to prime numbers. Uh, there is something by 23 by 11. <laughs> 13 that's that might be a bit narrow for four seats across so i I, he's he's got a blank sheet of paper so i was like 17 by 23 by 11 is almost always what i would go for if you really want wide seating you might end up with a 19 foot wide room but you know if you're going four seats wide which is what we're talking about here 17 by 23 by 11 uh ends up being now that would be the internal dimensions of your room that's that's going to be the inside. That's what you actually end up seeing. And we're going to take up a few inches on sides and stuff like that with acoustic treatments because that's yeah. going to be part of the plan too. So 17 by 23 by 11 ends up being a super nice size for two rows of seats, about four seats across in each row. And that works out really, really nicely. There is something and if you called can't the- get that 11 foot height, oh, yeah. don't, don't sweat it. Yeah. yeah, but you can also uh, look at, there's a thing called the room mode calculator. We'll have a link for that in the show notes and over at avrant.com. So the room mode calculator, you can punch in numbers that you like, but honestly, you stick to the prime numbers and it always works. So one thing... Say, so if you, it's not 23, if he wants to go bigger, he's got to go up to 31, right? Oh, no, you could go uh, 27. Is it 27 going or, to 9? No, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's not a prime number. Hmm... Well, you don't have, it doesn't have to be exactly prime every time. Stick to numbers that aren't divisible within each other. I'm just going by your math thing here, Rob. I'm helping you out. So, I mean, I I was thinking 27 too, and then I went, oh no, that goes into nine. So, yes, you're right. Mm. Yeah, you have to go up to 31 if you want to stick to prime, but. But in any case, whatever. When you're conceptualizing this theater, uh, now if you're thinking like that 11 foot ceiling, now if you said it's completely blank slate, you can do whatever you want. If you actually build. Uh, basically the shell of this room because we are we're, so we're going to be talking about some of this uh, this um, soundproofing stuff and that but if you build it so that you actually do have a continuous ceiling but then you put a foot below that a drop ceiling what I love about do, doing things that way is it allows you to put acoustic treatment in your ceiling it makes it so easy to install your can lights that you want you can have your wires all running up there and be accessible uh, you can have insulation above that drop ceiling that works as absorptive treatment you, there's so many things you can do uh, with what is essentially just a aesthetic drop tile ceiling you actually have a proper full soundproof ceiling above that but then you have this one foot lower so what i'm saying is you're actually building a 12 foot tall room but then you're dropping the effective ceiling by a foot with a drop tile that's so helpful you can install so many things up there and have it all be accessible yeah why would you not just have it 11 feet tall the room itself which is the actual dimensions of the room and then have the drop tile since it's acoustically going to be absorbent or whatever have it down to 10 because well because it isn't like 
you're still getting reflection off of even that drop tile ceiling. Not from the base, though, and that's what we're worried about. Yeah, the base well, I mean, yeah, you, you could. I mean, if the building the room 12 feet high just isn't feasible, I mean, even if you build the room to be 10 feet high and you end up with effectively being 9 feet high with the drop ceiling, that works yeah. too. All of that stuff is fine. But what, I, what I'm getting at is I am in huge favor of having a drop tile ceiling, which isn't your actual ceiling, but it gives you all the options to install. Atmos speakers, can lights, wires, tons of stuff, uh, acoustic insulation, everything up there. Uh, so I think that's the starting point. If we're working out sort of um, viewing distances and things like that, what's really nice to have is up front a two-foot false wall, right? You have your first row of seats 11 and a half or 12 feet back from that, which ends up being perfect for a 135, a 10-foot wide screen. Uh, you have your second row six feet behind that, and that gives you four feet behind that, behind the second row uh, in a 23-foot long room. So the dimensions all work out nicely. You have walkways down either side with the room being 17 feet wide. All of it works. Uh- Okay, so let's talk about the the false wall versus not false wall. So your okay. other option, if you want to go with not false wall, if you're looking, if if you're like, I don't want to spend the extra money or whatever, yeah, it's barely any extra money. <laughs> you're, I know, it, that's true, and the reason is is because now instead of buying a regular, you know, uh, what, what could well, no, you would get acoustically transparent anyway. So you have acoustically transparent screen mm-hmm. up front. You would put in-wall speakers behind the screen and to the sides, maybe, depending on how you set this thing up. Uh, But those limit you so much on both placement and options as far as how many different speakers you have to choose from. Mm -hmm. With the false wall, suddenly now every speaker, including in-wall speakers, are an option. If you want to have in-wall speakers in your false wall, you can do that. You sure could. You don't have to worry about backhands or any of that other stuff. You can just throw some insulation behind it, and it's good to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have literally the option of every single speaker out there. And then, uh, for me, at least, that's one of the big benefits of having that false wall. Uh, you can now get, you know, your LCR speakers, your left, center, and right speakers being all identical. Yeah. And you can have all them vertical. Placed- have them placed exactly where you want. You don't have to worry about studs in the walls. You don't have to worry about running wires because it can all be just all be behind your false wall. Well, be behind the false wall. You don't see anything. Then all you have to do is buy the speakers that match those speakers in some way as your in walls or on walls. If you decide to go that Mm -hmm. way and you can actually, again, go with the exact same speakers all the way around your room, depending on the size, because you can then build false columns, which are essentially a right. framework of a column, which is wrapped in speaker cloth uh, or some other kind of acoustically transparent screen, uh, uh, film, uh, acoustically fabric. transparent fabric. You wrap it in that and you build these false columns, which look a lot like what you would expect to see in a, yeah, in a, in a theater. theater. You could put all. You can actually build a little frame for uh, a light, and you can put a light on there and everything, mm-hmm. so it looks like it's an actual column. And then the speaker goes behind there, and you're good to go. Uh, you know, I, we're going to probably get to speakers and everything else in a second here, but these are well, you know, not, these not give today. you we'll, a lot we'll, more we'll, options. <laughs> we'll get to that another day. The other thing I just want to say right now to you, Michael, get a sixteen by nine screen. Uh, you are going to be told by many people uh, to get a Cinemascope two point three five or two point three nine to one screen. If you want all your subtitles cut off whenever they are there, uh, okay. If you want shows that aren't in two point three nine to one to either be uh, weird with grace, you know gray sides on either side of it or uh, stuff just cropped off and missing okay but you know, just get a 16 by 9 screen if you really i mean 
you can go the Seymour AV and get the the magnetic masking yeah, if you for care sure. that much. So that when it um, is CinemaScope, you have nice masking at the top and bottom, for sure. Yeah. And so she's okay, let's go on here. The second question. And since he is this is a completely blank slate, if you were to simply build the theater room as far away from the bedrooms as possible, could he ignore all of the major soundproofing stuff, uh, the floating room and green glue and uh, that some people got all excited about? Or is all that stuff genuinely important and necessarily part of his plans? So once this once the sound starts str- shaking the structure of your house, yep. It, it it shakes it everywhere, but mm-hmm. it does. The further away you get, it does. You know, the energy does dissipate. Sure. So that is true. Uh, it would still be important to do some basic things uh, if it was as far away from the bedrooms that, as humanly possible. Uh, I would still want to do things like you know decouple all my subwoofers from the floor for oh, sure. sure. I would. Uh, worry about the wall the common wall for sure mm-hmm. and then the you know the ceiling probably as well but if you have that that drop tile ceiling yeah with all that, that again uh, that takes care of so much for you i love so, having that drop tile ceiling but that that again has an actual drywall ceiling a foot above it uh no the main thing here is to get the drywall decoupled from the common studs, the studs that are attached to the rest of the house, as long as the drywall inside of the theater is decoupled from the studs that attach to the rest of the house, that is the major thing that can be done here. And there's multiple ways to achieve that without going whole hog. So I want you to go over to soundproofingcompany.com and see what they you know, have to say over there because that will give you a full education. You can research that on your own time and you have a full education. So, yeah, I would go to them, whole ha- hog. have them give you the whole hog and then we'll, we'll help you whittle it down to things that right. are reasonable because <laughs> they're going to be like, yeah, and, and, and believe me, we have the only time we've ever really seriously considered a room within a room was when we were talking to, uh, you know, Will, Will, and, and Will, Will. That was before he decided to have a baby, and then now right. he's got a baby instead of a floating room. So I, well, I mean, we've had it before. You know, people are like, there was uh, that fellow in the townhouse basement, right? And he right. wanted real sound. And we're like, you're gonna have to go whole hog, and he did, and it turned out wonderful looking. Yeah. Um. But I mean, you know, when we say going whole hog, that is completely decoupled studs, independent studs for the inside the theater versus outside the theater. That is your room within a room. You yeah. know, completely independent studs. Uh, the drywall separated from the studs via sound clips and hat channels, which frankly is overkill, but that is the whole hog version. Two layers of drywall, different densities and thicknesses of drywall for those two different layers, and green glue in between those layers of drywall, and of course, all of the stud bays filled with insulation. All right, that's going whole hog. The floor is also floating. The ceiling is also detached, right? Yeah. Those are all the things. But what you can do is... You have your regular structure of your house. You say, here's where the theater is going to be. I've uh, planned it out so that my theater is far away from the bedrooms. And now, inside of that regular structure, let's just get one layer of regular drywall. Maybe you go five-eighths inch thick drywall, because that isn't a huge change. Uh, But one layer of drywall, and we're just going to make sure that drywall is decoupled from all the common studs. Now, that could be as simple as staggered stud walls, right? Inside the theater is attached to one set of studs that are staggered from the outside ones. It could be full double studs, but that, of course, takes up more room. Or it could just be as simple as sound clips and hat channels, or even just regular old resilient channels. All we're trying to do is make sure that the drywall inside the theater is separated from 
from the studs that attach to the rest of the house. Insulate inside the walls for sure. That is cheap and easy. So don't go, you know, trying to skip like too crazy. Put insulation in all the walls and in the ceiling and that. But once you've done that, that might be enough. If you're not going to put holes in that drywall, if you're going to do the false columns. Yeah, but he's going to have to have. Uh, he's gonna have to have some holes in the co- in the drywall because of uh, but I'm talking outlets. big holes for big lights, big speakers. Don't sure, do sure, that, sure, sure, sure. Right, yeah, have yeah. all of that within the drywall so you don't have big holes in the drywall. And now you're probably okay on that front. You probably don't have to do two layers with green glue. You probably don't have to do fully separated everything. The other the other major sound leakage issues I would worry about is the door or the round the door mm-hmm. and going back through the the HVAC and you can the kind HVAC of the HVAC is the big one yeah it is it, you can kind of you know, without a huge amount of costs uh, fix some of that you mm-hmm. know, without without too much so there's there's things to be done but yeah we, I, I, if it's a if it's a fully dedicated theater and you're only doing this, then that common wall and insulation all the way through makes a huge difference. Now, yeah. I mean, in my theater, which is essentially connected to the kitchen, sort of, in the family room and stuff like that, and we're out, I would say from the door of my home theater to where I sit when I'm talking with my friends uh, is 10 feet, 15 feet maybe. Okay. And that's just in an open room. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing uh, air between us at that point in that wall. Uh, I cannot hear most of what, even at ref- nearly full reference volume in here, I cannot hear most of it. I can hear the bass. Mm-hmm. When it's quiet in the house, my it, and I have it up you know, towards reference level, it will wake my wife up, who is sure. 30 feet away through another door. Maybe not 30, 20. Yeah, they'll say 30 feet away through another door. So... And all I have is insulation in the right. in the walls. That's all I have. That's I don't have all the rest of that stuff. The other thing worth mentioning for you on the floor, uh, there's a very simple product. They use it in basements all the time. It is a hard plastic with like uh, dimples in it. Uh, they use yeah. it so that there is a little bit of room between the what is usually a concrete foundation and then the subfloor over top of that. That is all you need. Um, you don't have to go nuts if you want to do a layer of what's essentially a rubber rised layer. Uh, between uh, usually what they'll do is they'll put down the dimpled plastic, uh, regular layer of uh, plywood, and then a layer of the rubber, and then whatever finishing goes on top of that, be that uh, another layer of subfloor plywood if you're doing a hard surface. Or you can put concrete directly over top. Or not concrete, carpet. <laughs> yeah. Carpet directly you over top of the rubber carpet layer. anyway, so... Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I yeah. mean, you don't, uh, you know, there are plans for crazy flooring. You don't need it. That dimpled layer uh, does tremendous benefits for you, and it's a good idea to have it anyway. So, that dimpled layer of plastic, plywood subfloor, and then either really thick carpet pad and carpet over top of that, or the rubberized layer. And there you go for your floor. Raul. I like saying that name. Raul. Mm-hmm. Raul. Is that Raul? It's Raul. It's like- sometimes it's Raul. Sometimes it's Raul. Raul. Like Sometimes it. it's a full Raul. Raul. I like it. I usually go Story. Raul. Okay. Story time. Raul says he started listening to AV Ramp back in the Dina days. He bought a Denon 3802. That's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, first generation appearing in various grand speakers, which is the ones I have. First generation Emotiva XPA amps, which is great. And uh, JL Audio Fathom F113 subwoofer, which probably rocks. Everything. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> so he loved the sound of his system, and he stopped listening to Ebby Ramp for a long span because he got his system, and I have no problems with that. Yeah, we've you. told people, like, just get off the internet, enjoy what you have. So we don't blame you, Rel. So then life happened. He had to put all of his audio gear in storage for a while. He lived close to the U.S.-Mexico border at the time, and it was much cheaper to rent storage in Mexico. And... Dot, dot, dot. If you're thinking. But his, store, his storage unit got broken into, and all of his gear was stolen, except mm. for his uh, his JL Audio Fathom subwoofer, which I guarantee did not get stolen because it was too heavy. It got Oh, I didn't read the rest. It got dragged to the front door of a storage unit, but apparently it was just too darn big and heavy, and the thieves abandoned it while making off with everything else. Ugh. Benefits of the big sub. I guess so. <laughs> Get one of those monoprice dual 15-inchers. Nobody's stealing that without a you know, serious hand truck, <laughs> Hand truck and five very, very strong friends. That's right. So anyways, he bought himself a pair of a Paradigm Tribute Towers. They were the special anniversary versions of Paradigm Signature speak, uh, Series speakers with pure beryllium tweeters and black anodized aluminum mid-range drivers. That sounds sexy. It is. And he never took them out of the box. To, to this day, they remain factory sealed. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mint in box mint in box dude i bet they might be worth some dough you might be able to actually make money on that deal so anyways he started listening to us again and decided to get back into uh to go back in the archives and catch up starting from january 2013 god help you <laughs> it's been a long spell <laughs> He said us laugh out at how starting in 2014 for a year and a half we were saying not to buy a receiver because we didn't like anything and we got all excited in July 2015 when we said it was finally a good time to buy a receiver again. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember that. I remember when I hated Yamaha. Oh my god. That was even <laughs> prior to that. That was before yeah. that. That was that year that Yamaha just Hot. That must have been what? That was all the when HDMI 2.0 was right around the corner right. and nothing well, had, was... That was before uh, the Avantage series came out. And then they had... Before right. that, it was just... They, their features were just garbage compared to everybody. <laughs> Ankyo was crushing everything. Denon was doing pretty good. So he's, here's his question. He's got his JL Audio Fathom subwoofer. He's got a pair of a still new inbox Paradigm Tribute Towers. He'd like to have a 5.1 surround sound system now, and the Tribute speakers are discontinued. He has literally never even heard them. So should yeah. he try purchasing uh, matching Paradigm speakers now? If so, what would we recommend? Or should he sell them and put his funds towards one of the speaker brands that we recommend all the time, such as 5 RBH Signature Series speakers or 5 Ascend Sierra RAL, which is a different RAL uh, speakers? <laughs> Very. <laughs> um, Wow. So, okay. Paradigm in general, as a general rule, uh, they subscribe to the, we're going to make a speaker that's flat. Uh, oh, yes. They, they have a very, what I call it, the Canadian sound, which is mm -hmm. that we all go to the NRC testing lab because we can and it's free. And uh, therefore, we end up with very, I don't want to say similar sounding speakers, but if you go in there with the same attitude, you end up with speakers that all have <laughs> the same sort of characteristic, which is essentially flat. Uh the problem I would have, the one thing I am worried about with your speakers more than anything is getting a matching center channel or a center channel that's going to play well with your towers. Right. Uh, you should, I mean, I think you could probably just go buy RBHs and match them with this and it would probably be fine. <laughs> uh, you could probably buy paradigms and match them with this and it would probably be fine. Mm. I think the, the beryllium tweeters are, you know, I, I, they shouldn't 
have a tonal sound that is different than what their other speakers are doing. They shouldn't. They probably have great extension. Transient response too. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, different you know extension, different transient responses. But the tonal, you know, the timbre should mm. be similar across all of their speakers. And I think in you know RBH, you could you know look at a lot of the other. Uh, speakers that we always say are flat speakers and say mm-hmm. you know they would they would be fine together now is fine together good enough <laughs> for you and especially at ones that were at this type of price range i mean if if you went to paradigm's current lineup uh to get the models that use their current beryllium tweeters you're all the way up at their flagship persona series which are not the value that the signature series used to be uh paradigm has now decided that they would like to remain a viable company which means that they have drastically increased their prices on their flagship models because that's the type of competition that they're up against and they're like it doesn't make sense to try and play the value game nobody else is um so that would be tricky to match that way you could go looking for uh either stores or used market that's still selling the signature series because i mean the the tribute series was i think it was mostly aesthetic Uh, they didn't really they just made everything black they blacked everything out but Mm. honestly the drivers and everything still were of the signature series of the time so if you found audio gone might be your friend here yeah if that were the way that you wanted to go but at the same time he's not even he can't even say he's in love with these uh paradigm tribute speakers because he's literally never heard them how could you not okay i'm i I, the advice we could give and i think it would be good advice is you never heard them you might as well sell them and go do some listening tests and find out what you like and then buy that but how do you not take them before? I could don't know how I could not take them out of the box and listen to them once. I don't think I could do it. I don't well, think those, he, he I could he, sell them without listening to them and, and seeing whether or not I fell in love with them. Yeah, I mean he couldn't he couldn't use them right away, and he was like, "Well, I might end up selling them," and he just never got around to it. So, um, I would certainly test the waters of what somebody out there might be willing to pay for these because if there are paradigm fanatics out there. Yeah. And the tribute speakers were a specialty speaker. They were only around for like a year and a half. And you've got a pair, and there might be someone willing to pay a pretty penny for them, which might fund your like close to or maybe perhaps your entire five speaker setup. Right. Um, I would definitely test the waters because if what you want is a really superbly, perfectly matching five speaker setup, why not? Everyone has a forum, don't they? They have a forum. I don't know if they have their own dedicated forum. I'm not aware. Got a, there's got to be a Reddit someplace forum or oh, something. You know yeah. what I mean? So Canuck I, Audio Mart, man. The people talking about Paradigm at Canuck Audio Mart because Canadians like their Paradigm speakers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay, so it, it's a ver- this is a very hard question for me. Yeah. I, I, I agree with Rob. I think that you very well could come out with somebody willing to pay a, a premium for speakers yeah. that have never been out of the box. Yep. Uh, I don't know how you can prove they've never been out of the box. The exactly. tape is still there. <laughs> I guess, you know, but, you know, you run the risk of sending, because you've never tested them, you run the risk of sell it, sending them to somebody and saying, and the person coming back and saying they are they don't work. That's pretty unlikely. Like, unlikely, right. Uh, yeah, but there's unscrupulous people that are out there. Mm. So... Uh, I would uh, 
I would do one of two things. I would, I, I think testing the water is a good idea. Just getting an idea of what somebody might want to pay for those. Mm-hmm. And then making a mental calculation. Is this worth me taking these out of those box and finding out I'm in love with them? And then having to pay what I'm going to have to pay if I want to get speakers that match them the signature you know the signature series you know go you have to do some shopping at the same time or you might just say that's wow that's that's great i'll sell those and i now i can buy any speakers i want and i'll have enough money for all of it mm-hmm. I, I don't know I, I don't know which way i would go it would be very very hard for me i mean yeah so i my, personally i'd be leaning towards in your case if this were my situation i'd be leaning towards selling them and getting a full complete perfectly matching five speaker setup that's one man's opinion. What those speakers should be, I mean, yes, we're going to tell you that we are big fans of RBH's signature series, where I am a big fan of Ascend Sierra Rowell Tower speakers. And those two in particular, very neutral, very tell it like it is. If you don't like the way they sound, it's probably not the speaker's fault and very good values. But that certainly doesn't mean there aren't alternatives. And right. it might be time, Raul. Uh, sorry, who are we talking to again? Raul. Uh, yeah, yeah. Raul. We are talking to Raul. It might be time for you to finally audition speakers because it sounds like you obviously have a keen interest but you haven't really had the whatever the circumstances have been it's kind of prevented you from really going and doing full auditions because i mean what there's kef uh r series and reference series that are worth considering there's uh revel you know revel would be worth considering they got models with beryllium tweeters what was the one you just said focal 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 oh, has models with beryllium tweeters too. If that was something that drew you to these tribute speakers, um, yeah, I mean, there's legacy audio that you might want to consider. There's a lot of really, really nice speakers where, if you're in the sort of price range where you know the paradigm tribute speakers were available to you and the signature or signature reference from RBH is available to you, like there are lots of really nice things that might be worth uh, at least auditioning. You know, yeah. getting some ears on time with some of these. Let's just put it this way: I would not open that box yeah. until you had made some, had some information given to you at least how much you can get for them. Yeah, what kind of speakers you actually might want to buy if you decide to sell these things, and mm-hmm. how much those are going to cost? Because you might end up saying, "Okay, well, I've got these, and for this amount, I can buy the other, you know, three speakers I mean, that I would need." Uh, I'm almost certain he could get five Ascend Sierra Rowell speakers for probably less than what he sells this pair of tributes for. That's probably. my suspicion. All right, Mark. Mark recently moved, and unfortunately, he hired some uninsured movers. He had the pleasure of watching them bump his 70-inch Vizio E-Series TV and knock it over onto the floor. Yeah. It was within the protective box, but when they opened the box to inspect the TV, it was obviously damaged with se- several layers of the screen now protruding in front of the bezel at one of the top corners. This was fixed by pressing the screen layers back into the bezel by hand. Mm. There, there was an audible click, and, and amazingly, upon turning the TV on, it appeared to still be working. He thought he had dodged a bullet. But later, he got his TV mounted and finally looked at some screen colors in a dark room. Smack dab in the middle of the TV, there's an obvious dark perfect rectangle while the rest of the tv screen looks okay and the idea was causing this dark rectangle right in the middle is it something that could be repaired that is strange uh now is this it, is it, this does have full array local dimming and that so that's local me, dimming that's what it looks it like <laughs> looks like the led section is gone in the right in the middle of right the TV. i don't know that it's gone but the wires that are that are powering it seem to be have been severed at the very least so right. or the so LED which, itself broken but that i mean that looks like the the 
grid thing is just powered off yeah. on that part. So what you're seeing, that gray, that's the over scan of the white around it. So sure. you know, this yeah. is this is this is this is how black your screen can get if there's white all around the black part. <laughs> In case you're wondering, this is what yeah. it looks like. Yeah. So this is why full array local dimming is good because mm. it lets you power down certain parts. But this is why it's not as good as OLED. <laughs> okay, in case you were wondering. But I mean, uh, could, that's what it, it looks like. To, I mean, that that looks like it's a section of the backlight that is just kaput right there. It's really what it looks like. Yeah. So could it be repaired? I would take that picture into a TV repair shop or yeah. email it to them and say. And just tell them the same thing that you told us, and they they will probably tell you to buy a new Vizio TV. I, I that's my possible. I mean, it thought. is. It I'm pretty sure that it is the backlight plane. Yeah, that might be repairable. It's, it's not impossible. Stop. Because I, I you know it's not the same as like. The actual LCD panel itself got cracked or something. That's just you're going to buy a new TV. I mean, if if they replace the whole panel, it's going to be the same or yeah, more I haven't than seen. I haven't seen TV, a TV but... repair shop that did that could that would say anything other than buy a new TV unless. It's well, I mean, like... certainly get in touch with Vizio. Certainly yeah. get in touch with Vizio. See what they have to say. This is something where I'm I'm not going to tell you this is impossible to repair. It it might be, but I'm pretty sure that we're dealing with a a section of your local dimming backlight is that's has what it looks like no longer functioning. Rob W. on Twitter. Rob has been leaning towards getting an OLED, but he wants a large size, so he's been eyeing the 77-inch C9. He has a light-controlled room, and he'll be viewing the TV straight on, mostly movies, but video games, too. It's down for under four grand now. But then there are some Samsung QLED models, in particular the 82-inch Q70R. It's only $2,500. And there's an 8200 Q80R, which is about $3,200. So with those prices and size and differences, uh, what would we pick, and what which way should he go uh here right bigger and cheaper bigger that's, cheaper that's and the, the uh no burn in to, to worry no about uh those are the considerations that go through my mind when you start saying the word video games and oled mm. so but i mean i i, I do want to stress that like the the chances of actual burn in on an oled are not tremendous it's they're less prone to burn in than plasmas were. So if you were right. the type of person who was able to play games on a plasma because you didn't play it for hours and hours and hours where you never moved the HUD and you did mix up your content and you didn't have a problem on your plasma, you will definitely not have a problem on an OLED. They are less prone than plasmas. I, I don't want it to sound like, you know, oh, as soon as you use an OLED, it's going to burn in. It is no, 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 far no, no. I, I, from that. Those, far are the, those, from that. those are the concerns that go through my right. mind when I start hearing video games. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, there's, of course, the um the variable refresh rate thing too that i think samson does actually the c9 does variable refresh oh, rate well, now there though, you go so. so that's one consideration dog i swear cut it out <laughs> i knew the dog would end up being one of these things that she was asleep a second ago then she woke up and started trying to eat the couch uh-huh. so now she's going back to sleep but yeah right, i mean sorry about that. my my honest take on this robert is that it does depend on the type of person that you are because mm. So here's the thing. Some people, they will buy the larger, less expensive TV. And first of all, a ton of people will look at a QLED and they will never spot anything less than perfection in their opinion. 
And they're totally happy then. Then there are other people who they'll be able to see like, oh yeah, okay, on some things, yes, there is still a little bit of blooming here and there. You can't get away from it when you're dealing with full array local dimming on LCD TV. Uh, Some people will spot that on the Samsung TVs. Unfortunately, they don't do perfect HDR tone mapping. They always make HDR look a little bit brighter than it technically should be. And some people like that and some people hate that. So... There's going to be some people who notice the few very minor flaws in the QLEDs, and they're going to be like, but I got it bigger and cheaper, and I'm fine with that. Then there are going to be the handful of people who are like, I know what an OLED looks like. The QLED is not quite the equal of the OLED, and it's going to bother me until the day I die until I get an OLED. Didn't Lee have problems with his OLED as far as, you know, the picture wasn't as perfect as he wanted it to be or whatever well his first one his first one that he got it wasn't as perfect as he wanted it to be but now he's got he he in his case got a c8 and so yeah is it literally perfect no 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 tv okay. is literally perfect but i mean the the oleds now are so i've got a z9d a sony z9d to this day it remains probably the best lcd still nobody has really improved upon the z9d i watch that z9d and i'm like man that's a really good looking tv and then i switch over to my oled i'm like that is an even better looking tv (laughs) and it's not even like you know hard to notice it's like not it's just better the oled is just better so So, yeah so rob would say rob will tell you that you know, to him, the 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 picture, knowing that the picture is better on the OLED, right? Even though you're getting a smaller size, that is worth the difference for him. Yeah. I will tell you that I would probably feel the same, but would still spend less money on the bigger screen because right. I know that for the most part. I'm not going to know this, or and I'm there's not no, going to care. There's no wrong answer. I mean, if someone no. came to me and said, "I got a Q80, uh, 82 inch." QLED for less money than the 77 inch OLED, and I am super happy with. It. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that you know, like I've got. I'm not going to be telling you that that was the wrong decision, but sure. at the same time, if someone said, I weighed it out, and I know for myself that if I didn't get the OLED, I just wasn't going to be completely this satisfied. A, I'm telling you, man, this is a flip the coin situation. You mm. take, you take, you know, the 82 inch on one uh, as heads, right. and the the OLED as tails. You flip it. You put it down and you just see whether or not you're disappointed. If you're disappointed with the response, you know what you really, really wanted, what's really the most important to you. And and you you can't go wrong either way. And especially if you were going like 3,200 versus like you can get some of those uh, 77-inch OLEDs for right around 3,800 right now. And if if you're the person who was leaning OLED at all in that type of price difference, I'd be like, yeah, I get the OLED. The Q70, though, that's a big price difference. You know, that's like almost $1,500. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. And yeah, yeah so yeah, I agree. Uh, it has to be a little bit of a personal decision because what I would get, I can justify my purchase to myself. Other people might go, that's nuts. I would have saved the $1,500 for sure. And I'm like, yeah, that's right for you. Yeah. Nobody's wrong here. Ari. Ari has a 3.1 setup using a Denon S640H receiver and all ELAC Unify speakers and sub. His center speaker makes a random scratching noises, and it's definitely only the center speaker. If he listens in two-channel stereo, everything sounds fine. The scratching volume does change with the volume dial. Lowering the volume makes the scratching quieter, but it never completely goes away, but it's not constant. The scratching comes and goes, and he can't seem to uh, discern any pattern or obvious cause. He's running Odyssey, and he's played with all the receiver settings, and he's tried many different apps on his Apple TV. No matter what, this random scratching sound happens sometimes. Can Mm -hmm. we help? 
two things come to mind. Mm-hmm. The most uh, the most likely in my case would be you have there's something physically wrong with the speaker. Yeah, when I it think h- so. hurts an exact, it hits an ex- a specific frequency or a group of freque- frequencies. You hear a flapping sound. Yeah, but that scratching sound is basically a torn woofer or a torn surround or a torn and the unifies are a concentric design if you have a tiny little could be completely invisible uh something has happened in that section where the tweeter is embedded in the woofer that can cause this yeah the other thing that would it was less likely to me is you have a speaker wire that's a little bit detached and you're hearing that scratching based on this this the the wire touching and then releasing. Mm. Uh, but I mean that's that would be likely. very easy to test because you can take one of your left or right speakers, which is not producing this scratching sound, and simply connect it to your center speaker wire temporarily yeah. and see if it's so. This is pretty easy to test. Is the scratching originating from the receiver or your center speaker wire? Because you can just swap the sweep speakers. So do that because that's free and easy. Make sure that though that you do plug in the center channel to the left or the right, which I'm going sure. to switch it to. Because if it, if you do that and you end up getting the scratching sound, you know yes, it's yeah, definitely the scratching the sound followed the speaker. Now yeah. <laughs> you know. Now you know it's the speaker. So yeah, this can totally happen with uh, a slightly damaged tweeter. Like yeah. I say, with the concentric driver design, this is actually quite an easy thing to have occur. Uh, it's that little tiny gap in between the tweeter and the woofer, with the tweeter embedded right in the middle of the woofer. Uh, if that's what it is, you contact Elac and you say, "Hey, I got a speaker with a bad driver." And Elac is a really good company as far as customer service goes. They'll probably take care of you. Joe. Joe lost everything in the fire after being out of their this house. This is a common theme this week. You know, I know. I mean, with, uh, nobody's got anything. It's getting stolen out of Mexican storage stolen, places. Stuff's getting and destroyed. Yep. Broken tweeters. I'm uh, sorry to hear that, Joe. That's terrible. Yeah, us too. Me too. Us. I refer to myself <laughs> the as royal, the, the royal Tom. <laughs> That's right. You're not seeing this on you on on the podcast, but I'm doing the royal wave. After being out of their house for a full year, they finally moved back in, and all of his home theater gear has been replaced by insurance. So all of the components are brand new, and they are not looking to spend any additional money right now. Mm-hmm. You have come to the right place. We like to not spend money. The gear he owned was new enough that items were replaced one for one by the insurance, but he hadn't started listening to AV Rent until after he bought all of this stuff the first time around. So he knows he, we might have suggested different items, but this is what he's got. And he'd like some help optimizing the setup. He's got a Denon X3400H receiver, Samsung Q8FN TV, a Panasonic UB850 Blu-ray player, all DevTech speakers and subs, bipole towers with Atmos upfiring modules on top, matching center with powered base woofer. Okay. Yep, bipole that's surrounds, what DevTech does. <laughs> yeah, bipole surrounds and two SuperCube 2000 subs which each have one active 7.5-inch driver plus two 7.5-inch uh, passive radiators, all in tiny 10.5-inch cubes. Yeah, the uh, super cubes we know about. Mm-hmm. His room is a converted garage, 12 feet front to back, 21 feet wide. There are a set of, gl- uh, of glass French doors on the left wall that lead into the house, and he's got a couple of large pictures of their dogs on the back wall directly behind his couch. Those are just regular pictures and frames that are non-acoustic panels. With his couch right up against the back wall, because remember, it's 
12 feet front to back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's 10 feet from his speakers, and the front left and right speakers are 10 feet apart. He says his wife is super sensitive to bass, and they are constantly in, in a battle over it. He bought the Def Tech Towers with their built-in... <laughs> Why did you buy these things with <laughs> built-in woofers and subwoofers? He was thinking he wouldn't need subs. <laughs> yeah, he bought the Def Tech Towers with their built-in powered bass woofers, hoping they would be sufficient. He found them inadequate and lacking. His wife did not agree. They had two Supercube 2000 subs, hoping they'd because they're tiny yeah they wouldn't be too loud for his wife's taste but that was not the case they're so small he actually has them on either side of his tv stand looking like a little bookshelf speakers yes so they sit really close in the ideal world he he puts uh dual svs subs on either side of his couch but that isn't happening right now when he runs odyssey multi qxc32 he also always sets his front left right and center to large at one point though he tried setting his def tech towers a built-in powered uh, base woofer's LFE mode and running RCA cables from the subwoofer output of his Denon. With that configuration, it gave his front a 150 crossover. Nobody, not even Def Tech, can seem to agree on the best way to set up his speakers and subs and base manage them. So can we help him out? What do we say is the best way to optimize his speaker and subs? All right, so we're going to tell you to do things you don't want to do. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we're going to tell you to th- do things that your wife isn't going to be on board for, but I want you to mm. listen to my voice right now. Okay. The problem your wife has with the base is that it is uneven. That is the almost guaranteed the biggest problem. The reason is, is because in order for you to hear the frequencies you want to hear, she is almost certainly hearing frequencies. And yes, she's only sitting one seat away from you mm-hmm. that are at a completely different volume that you're hearing them at. Okay. So this unevenness of base is your mm. issue. All right. If you even out the bass as much as you can, then you can then adjust the volume till it's loud enough for you and soft enough for your wife, or at least close enough that you guys can stop fighting about it. So we need to even out the bass in your room. Yep. Once we even it, then seat to seat, you'll be hearing the same things, which means she's saying it's too loud and you're like, I can't hear anything. <laughs> it's not because you have different ears. And that's because she's more sensitive to it than you are, but though she might be. It is because seat to seat, you are having extremely uneven response. I can guarantee it between the powered base woofers in your towers and the yep. powered base woofer in your center. center speaker and the two subs sitting on either side of your TV. Yeah, all your base producing things are at the front of your room. On the front wall, exactly. Yep. So what we're going to have you do is uh, we are going to have you place, if, is, if this is a rectangular space, we are going to have you place your subs, because they're small, so you, I don't want to hear, I can't yeah, place them these there. Are, I mean, this is as small as, I mean, they don't even look like subs. They, they I... look like small, they look like half a bookshelf speaker. Yeah, <laughs> That's what they look like. Right. So I want you to put one in the midpoint of your right wall and one in the midpoint of your left wall. Okay. I don't now, care. Now, with French doors on the left, that might not be doable. But... I don't care if they're on the ceiling and on the floor. I don't care the height <laughs> of them. You can put them anywhere. They are tiny. Okay. Mm. If you absolutely cannot do that, front one corner, the, the left corner up front, the right corner in the back, the, the right corner up front, the left corner in back. Those are where you're going to place your two yeah, that tiny... That should be doable. I mean, subs. I don't know of too many doors that literally go to the walls, so uh, that would work. You certainly should be able to do that. Then With these subs, yes. Yes. Then you will set... I don't want to hear it. I don't care. You will set all of your speakers. You will, you will run your, your DevTechs so that they are a full-range speaker 
whatever that thing is. Don't set it so that the, they're getting a, uh, an RCA cable. Just give them regular speaker no. cable. One set of speaker wire is going from your Denon receiver to your front left tower and to your front right tower and to your center. One, One. speaker wire is going okay. there, and the, the speaker is set to just be a speaker. It's not set to be right. a separate subwoofer speaker combo. Then you will set them all to small. Nope. Mm. I don't want to hear it. Which, I know that they can they can reach down to thirty five hertz or thirty hertz or <laughs> or whatever. They are still not playing down to twenty hertz, which is where they, which a subwoofer actually needs to play to. Which they granted, are, in this scenario, you will have to manually set them to small after having run Odyssey. Odyssey right. will set them to large. There's nothing we can do about that. But manually, you will go back and set them to small afterward. So Odyssey will set all your distances and, your distances and your levels and all that stuff, and then it'll set it all to large, and then it says you want to make any adjustments, and you'll say yes, and then you mm-hmm. will set them all to small. You'll set everything to small, okay? Then you will let Odyssey do the rest of the things that it does, and then your base will be more even throughout your room then you will be able to adjust the levels of your base Mm -hmm. so that is what you must do and i know you're like why did i buy these speakers with the powered subwoofers well you were you had some good thoughts about he's okay with that you know that he did that before he got these separate little super cubes yeah so you know you thought you were going to be able to do that but having the, the base come out of the where your front left and right speaker while it was thought for many years that that was where they it should come since that's where the rest of the sound is coming from we now know that that's not the case in order to have even response we need to treat each source of bass as a as a combined source of bass and the Mm -hmm. room as part of that so in order to get the best bass response in your room across all your seats you need to place your subs in the way that i just said yeah now there is one little wrinkle with these uh, DevTech towers and center that have their powered bass woofers built into them because they do have volume dials. And even when you have just connected a pair of speaker wire to them, they are still amplifying that bass woofer uh, within the speaker itself. And you can change that with the volume dial that's on the back of them. So you will, before all of this, before you run Odyssey... Uh, before you worry about, um, you know, doing your base management and manually setting them to small, before all of that, I would recommend you play a sweep through each speaker individually. Uh, if you're like, how do I do that without sound coming out of multiple speakers? Uh, you can just set it to like, uh, what is it in the Denons? Is it uh, all channel stereo or is it party mode or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just literally physically only connect one speaker at a time. But play a bass sweep through each of these speakers. And you can do this by ear. You don't even have to measure this. You're going to play that sweep, and you're just going to adjust the volume dial on the speakers themselves, since they have volume dials, until you get a nice even-sounding sweep that doesn't have a big rise in the bass or a you know huge, obvious dropout at like 200 hertz. Right? You just want to adjust that so the speaker itself, in its positioning, is playing pretty darn evenly a sweep by itself then you can go ahead and run odyssey and let uh and then after odyssey has run set the speakers to small and give them an 80 hertz crossover but yeah you've got to reposition your two little super cubes which being as tiny as they are is the easiest subwoofers ever to actually reposition uh and yeah you're going to have them on opposite sides of the room of each other diagonally opposite corners if you can't do the midpoints of the two walls all right 
Alcides. It's a new name for us. Alcides. Mm-hmm. Alcides has a 5.1 setup that it uses for music and movies. He's going to Onkyo RCH360 7.1 receiver powering a, p- a pair of Martin Loger. Martin Logan SLM XL front left and right speakers. These are not uh, the traditional Martin Logan. They are not electrostatics. electrostatics. Uh, They use a folded ribbon tweeter and then some traditional drivers in a very slim on wall type of package, although they can also be uh, tabletop mounted or stand mounted. Hmm. For the center, he went with a BMW HTM 72 S2. He has a, also has a rhythmic F12 300 sub. His surrounds are a pair of in-ceiling speakers that he is not satisfied with. So he has it in mind to replace his in-ceiling surrounds with a pair of B&W CCM663 in-ceiling speakers. They go for 350 each. And that is the maximum he's willing to spend. He says he chose each component individually for maximum sound quality within the price range he could afford. So for his current budget of $700 for in-ceiling surround speakers, are there better speakers than the BMWs he's considering? I'm kind of surprised that you like the matching of the Martin Logans and the BMWs to be BMWs to begin with. Uh, well, that's just it. I mean, I don't even know if he 100% does, but I, I wanted to address, um, like, I think the way that you came at this is perfectly understandable from the point of view of logic. Right. You're like, I want to get myself a receiver and a pair of front speakers to start. Let's get the best receiver and the best front left right speakers that suit my needs that I can afford right now. Okay, now I want to add a center speaker. I want to get the best center speaker that I can afford right now. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that center speaker matches the best with your existing front left rights. And you seem to be continuing that train of thought going, okay, now I want to get some new in-ceiling surround speakers. What are the best in-ceiling surround speakers I can afford? But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to cohesively work the best with your other speakers. And I am shocked if your front left right Martin Logans uh, actually timbre match your current B&W center speaker. That would be... Shocked if they do. I believe he wasn't complaining about it at all. So who are we to say? Right. Uh, on top of that, you know, trying to find an in-ceiling speaker as a surround so- a solution that is the best is mm-hmm. a questionable, it, it, it is a difficult task because you are basically placing them in a way that is not optimal for their job. It's like, what can I, what's my best option for in-ceiling, you know, front, left, and right speakers. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Pick, pick one. It doesn't <laughs> there matter. isn't a great there choice isn't. in that case. I mean, for <laughs> yeah. surrounds, we are we are far less critical of right. surrounds. We're right. willing to say that, yeah, some compromises in your surrounds, we're willing to accept that far less but your front I three. have no idea what to tell you. I could be honest with yeah. you. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, if you like the B&Ws for the in-ceilings, knock yourself out, because I can't, I can't think of a speaker that I would say is going to work good with like I don't think that you want a uh, RBH up there. I don't think so. No, indeed. I, or indeed. a lot of times we would suggest Aperion uh, yeah. as well, and I don't think you want those up there either because the two speakers <laughs> you have, the two different right. types of speakers you have, aren't going for a flat frequency response to begin with, and they're not going for the same curve <laughs> because right. they don't work together. They're not the same company, so they they both got different timbres that they're going for, or different you know sound qualities they're going for. And it's not the same as what you know. The, the center is not the same as the the left and right. Therefore, putting a flat speaker up top 
I, I say go with the B&Ws. I mean, at least <laughs> I mean, it's going to match is, the if, center in some way, hopefully. Well, yeah. I mean, if if what you like in your system most is your center speaker, then I think it makes sense to go for these B&W in ceilings to match that. And then perhaps one day you upgrade your front left right to more B&Ws. Maybe not upgrade, maybe side grade. But well, yes. sure. I yeah, mean, as far as to get it all matched. I mean, yeah. the big picture thing I want to get at for everybody, not just LCDs, is that this is a system. This all has to work together cohesively. And I mean, logically, I completely understand the I want to get the best single item for the task I have in mind, but that doesn't always mean that the sum of all the parts ends up being as good as it possibly could be. Sometimes, even if this item over here, you're like, I listened to these two speakers and here's the one I preferred, but when I listen to it all together, yeah. the sum of the parts... Well, you, you, you can know. think of it this way. like If you were building a chair, right, and you went to the, <laughs> you went to the local lumber yard and you, and you found a beautiful piece of burl wood right and it was just enough to make the arms of the chair so you brought right. it home and you made the arms of the chair and then you went back a different day you found this gorgeous piece of redwood and you <laughs> took it home and you made you know part of the seat and you went back and you found this beautiful piece of you know ebony something something i don't know anything more i don't know any more woods off the top of my head <laughs> and you built this chair this way yeah. you would have a chair <laughs> With beautiful individual with, pieces of wood. That's right, and you, yeah. you, when you sat and you, when you sat on it, it would work as a chair. Sure, but when you looked at it, you'd be like, "The hell was going on with that this?" That is chair? all mismatched. <laughs> what yeah. is going on with this chair over here? So I, I would, I would ask you. Uh, I mean, first of all, if you were completely satisfied with the match of your yes. front, left, right speakers in your center, uh, then then I really have no reason to steer you away from those B and W in ceilings. Yes, because um, I mean, Martin Logan does have. Identically priced in ceiling options, but they are yet again a completely different design. They're over to a soft dome tweeter that right. Martin Lugan hardly ever uses. That's their Helos speakers. They do have a motion series of in ceiling speakers from Martin Logan, but they're like twice the price mm. to get you that folded ribbon tweeter in an in ceiling design. And he said he doesn't want to spend that much. So, um, however, if you are not actually completely satisfied with your front three match and you're like, what I actually like best are my front left right speakers. At that point, I'm considering like they have a smaller version of these SLM speakers with the folded ribbon tweeter. And perhaps you go for those and mount them on your back wall or something, say, because mm. I'm figuring he probably doesn't have good sidewall placement. So I just want you to consider... Out of your front three speakers, do you have a preference? Do you strongly prefer your center? Do you pro strongly prefer your front left rights? Match whatever you're getting to that. If you're completely satisfied, then go ahead with the B&Ws you have in mind. Mahogany. That's another word I could have said. I didn't... Sure. I forgot. I, I don't work with wood. Matthew. Matthew says he has a very large room, but he's sitting only nine feet from eyes to screen. He's using a 110-inch daylight silver projection screen with a Panasonic AX200U, and he feels it's time for an upgrade. He, has, he had been holding out hope that a 98 or 100-inch TV might become affordable, but it doesn't look like that will happen anytime soon. No. He wants a... <laughs> no, no. He wants... Just getting in the door is going to be an issue. He <laughs> no wants a, a quiet projector with a great... I think you will have roll-up one of those before we have, like, flat panel. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, I honestly think getting it in the door is going to be, you know, around corners 
You no kidding. Yeah. Imagine if you had a stairway that turns, right? Like, right, like right. All I know, my parents yeah. had the that their their theater room was upstairs in the bonus room, and that mm-hmm. stairway was tight. He got a fifty five, maybe fifty eight inch plasma up there, but phew, that wasn't easy. <laughs> All right, he wants a quiet projector with great black levels and HDR capability. He would also need a receiver upgrade, and his max budget, max budget for everything is five grand. So with the Epson fifty fifty UB, fit the bill. I mean, isn't that thing like twenty five hundred bucks? So uh, twenty seven, but yeah. uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean uh, like because be to, to, me. to go to the next step up, you're talking about forty five hundred dollars on a JVC, uh, potentially. 4000 on a Sony, but I'd probably jump to the JVC if I were going to go anywhere above the Epson. So given that, you know, that would eat up almost all of your budget, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, the Epson 5050 UB is absolutely, but a silver screen. I am not a fan of a silver screen. Yeah, oh. Not silver ticket <laughs> as the brand, an actual silver screen. And I wonder if he, so I mean, first of all, the AX200U, that's going back way. I believe that's a 720p model, if I'm mm. not mistaken. Um, didn't have the greatest black levels. And sometimes people went for a gray uh, or, in this case, a silver screen. And I'm wondering, does he have ambient light he was yeah. trying to overcome? Uh, there's, I've got questions because. I'm thinking that along with this projector, maybe it's also time to get yourself a new projection screen. And with $5,000 for the budget, you'll be able to do that. Yeah, that you're is doable. Less, you're spending about half of it on the, on the projector, and we're not, there's yeah. not that much more to buy. That's right. So, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm just putting that out there, Matthew, that you might be... Uh, it, it would make an even stronger case for the 5050UB since it is really quite affordable within your budget. It would also allow you to get a new screen potential. Yeah, I have a... You know, I mean, aside from the hot spotting issues and stuff with these yeah. you know, light rejecting screens, you know, when you start trying to go to HDR, you really don't want to have anything that's messing with the the, the, the contrast, the contrast, and, and all that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so he's got a Denon X4000. Love that receiver. Good choice. But that won't pass uh, through all the new HDR stuff. He has no mm-hmm. plans for Atmos. So, what receiver model would you recommend uh, to him? Well, I mean, I think everything passes through all this stuff now, but I would still get like a 3600 or a 3500, whatever, whatever oh, the I one mean, is. Yeah, since, since he's not going to do Atmos, uh, either the X34 or the X3500H, yeah. the 3400H Accessories for Less still has some in stock for $450, so that is definitely Which not killing your budget. Which means you could go budget. for the JVC. It was like 4500 bucks. And all that. Well, at least <laughs> so you got a few other things he wants to get there, too. And then uh, the, the X3500H at Accessories for Less is $500 right yeah. now. So, uh, yeah, get one of those, because that gets you Multi-Q XD32. Yes, it tops out at seven speakers. Those two models, you know, the 3600H is the first year that the 3000 series gets you all the way up to 11-speaker Atmos if you want to. But he's not doing Atmos, so X34 or x 35 for sure. So he's got an Apple TV 4K, a cable box, and a PS3. What else should he be looking to get? An Ultra HD Blu-ray player, maybe? What about HDMI cables? Well, yeah, you need an Ultra HD Blu-ray player if you want to oh, get yeah. the HDR and stuff. But that's and only... I mean, now that you can get Panasonic's UB420... From Best Buy in the States, that's the one to get. 250 bucks, or it was on sale for 220 for a while there, but 250 bucks for sure. And that does uh, Panasonic's HDR optimizer, which, oh, will that work nicely with the Epson? So uh, 250 bucks, you can't complain too much about that. Any player is going to cost you that much. So, so you, you buy the Panasonic JVC, <laughs> you buy the receiver, <laughs> and then you get the Ultra HD Blu-ray player for Father's Day or your birthday or Christmas. Christmas uh, it's Day. actually kind of possible. Not if you got a new screen along with things, but uh, yeah, you're not... You're not a hundred inch wrong. with a hundred inch silver ticket screen is only it's less than two hundred dollars, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So man, that's 
Father, that's your birthday and Christmas. But uh, uh, he will need a new HDMI cable too. Yes, that is true. If you were doing something that worked with the AX200U, I bet that is not an 18 gigabit per second HDMI cable. I would, I'd be willing to bet on that. So you will need a new HDMI cable. I will suggest you go with a dynamic view from Monoprice. They are certainly not ridiculously expensive, but they are the full 18 gigabits per second and actually an active cable. Make sure you look at the two ends of the HDMI cable because one does go into the source, which will be your new Denon receiver in this case, and the other one says TV or display on it, and that will of course go into your epson uh those are uh directional so but a dynamic view from monoprice that'll get you an affordable 18 gigabit per second cable aris aris isn't wasting any time with the speaker upgrade plans he found a local sale on a pair of uh, used kef reference three speakers in beautiful condition so he snapped them up and after a week of value of evaluation he's very happy with them he says they sound less harsh than his former clips towers and they are clearer more natural and better sound with better soundstage and imaging and even though his system is mismatched for the time being he feels the full presentation of in 5.1 has been improved he's still got the clip center and they, yeah. they don't go as loud as easily as his clip speakers though so no surprise there it's efficiency yeah. we talked about that last week <laughs> so with his new front speakers in place he naturally uh he re-ran odyssey he's using a denon x5200w so he does not have the odyssey editor app available to him he actually liked what odyssey did with the high frequency but he felt his bass got slaughtered he wound up <laughs> using uh the, uh the manual graphic eq in the x5200w uh, he does plan to replace a receiver in a year or two with hopes of going beyond 7.2.4 up to maybe 9.2.6 or more do we think denon will be ditching odyssey I hope not. <laughs> Is there a better alternative? Uh, Trinov, I guess. And many people will argue Dirac. I have some quibbles with that. There are a few uh, things I still I would think, like Dirac to address. Yeah. Or should he be looking for an outboard sound solution instead of whatever other EQ is built into his future receiver? Well, we don't know because it's not the future yet. So right. let's... Uh, Right now, Odyssey is a good is a great option. Wipeow is a good option, and Dirac is a great option. So mm-hmm. you know, you've got three great you know acceptable options that are out there right now that should all be doing good things. If you don't like what it did to your base, run it again. Something, yeah. I mean, something <laughs> is amiss there because he's so. I mean, there are multiple things that could be going on there. Um, he's got two subs, so going to position those subs uh i mean this is something i i neglected to mention uh in the last one where we we're talking about uh the two little super cubes but um you know i've got my 12-step guide to setting up dual subwoofers which does not utilize sub eqht it does not have odyssey automatically set independent distance settings because we don't want it to so well, it, i will uh, this is the different guy no yeah, the, yeah. he's got these full range speakers well, I mean, maybe not full range as his well, back they will, speakers. They will almost certainly be identified as large by Odyssey. Yeah. All of his speakers. I mean, the the Kef reference uh, three yeah. towers will almost certainly be identified as large. He's got this massive Klipsch center speaker. These enormous Klipsch rear speakers that I, I'm certain will be identified as yeah. large. So if so, you're not setting all those to small and afterward, afterwards you're you're basically hamstringing. What Odyssey's trying to do, yeah, and what we're trying to do so, with how you set up your subs. I suspect that uh, if you follow my twelve-step uh, guide to setting up your dual subs, and then make sure that you are manually setting your speakers to small after having run Odyssey, it might uh, get rid of some of this slaughtering of your bass response, and uh, yeah, you, you might be 
much more inclined to go, oh, Odyssey really isn't so bad. Although I completely agree. I mean, sometimes people are like, this is supposed to be automatic. I don't like the results. Is there one that is automatic and I will like the results better? And I mean, in many cases, this is why people say, oh, I prefer this particular auto setup over another because they're just going by the the default settings, mm-hmm. the default um, you know target curve. And I completely understand that i can't blame anyone for saying i did what the manual told me to do i followed the instructions and i like the results of this one better than that one uh but i'm saying that if you go through some manual changes before and after the results can be really really good yeah and i again you know just running it a second time sometimes will make a big difference you know you had a door <laughs> yeah, we didn't even a, a talk door about open in... microphone placement did you perchance put your microphone actually sitting on your seat and yeah. therefore hitting the back uh, yeah got to make yeah. sure that microphone is on a microphone stand with a full at least one foot of free air in every direction around that microphone uh it's something not everybody always does He's using a Panasonic Plasma, but he's got a Samsung Ultra HD Blu-ray player since it's the only way to get Atmos uh, soundtrack on a disc. But some discs tell him that a 4K display is required and they refuse to play. So is there a way to trick those discs into playing? Uh, yeah, you got to use... You, I mean, we've talked... This could a, have been a little bit of the X5200W too, because that yeah, was right was, on the cusp of some yeah, of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I haven't really run into that issue. I have a 1080p display, and, and it's always right. given me Atmos without an, without a problem. Mm. So I'm surprised that you run into this. But uh, when you upgrade your receiver, this will not be an issue any longer. I, I'm thinking this is most likely an HDCP thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's by far the most likely. Now, Monoprice has a little HDCP converter that's like $40. You know, it'll take any... HDCP 2.2, which is what is coming out of your Ultra HD Blu-ray player, and just converts it down to HDCP 1.4 for your older receiver and your certainly older plasma television. Uh, that will almost certainly do this for a very reasonable price. I mean, heck, if it doesn't work and you send it back, you're really not out a ton of money. If it doesn't work, an HD Fury will definitely be able to do this. That's a two hundred and fifty dollar uh, device, at that though. Point, so you just buy a new receiver. I mean, that very possibly, but yeah. I mean, certainly try the Monoprice HDCB converter first because it's a very small outlay of money and it'll probably work. Yeah, Chris. Chris has been waiting, uh, wanting to upgrade his, his the speakers in his bedroom for a long time now. This is a setup where, due to Chris being visually impaired, he has a TV right beside his bed, directly on top of his center speaker, and then his front left and right speaker is very close. Uh, I'm sorry, his front right speaker is very close to the head of his bed, and the front left speaker is way down by the foot of his bed. Mm-hmm. He's been using the Micah B MB 42X speakers with uh, the Black Friday sales. He's thinking now might be the time. So. Mike has uh, a new RB42 series out that is getting rave reviews, but they use the same tweeter as the speaker he already has, so probably not a big upgrade from his current speakers, right? Yeah, probably. Almost certainly the case. (laughs) If you're looking for an upgrade and a noticeable change, that's not what I would go for, That's not where I would go, yeah. Okay. So in his theater, he's got uh, appearing Intimus 5 Series speakers now, and he loves them. So he's thinking the Intimus 4 Series for his bedroom, but the only thing giving him pause is that the 4B bookshelf speakers have a spec saying an, a minus 3 down at 120, 120 hertz. He's using an SB1000 sub in his bedroom with a 120 hertz crossover start to make it localizable. 
Where is it in location to you? It is. So if you can see the photo where you can sort of see the whole setup with the uh, left speaker that's way down at the foot of his bed, it's basically in front of his window. We can't see it in the photo, but that's where his sub is. Um, I can't so believe it's... that thing's not localizable at any frequency, to be honest with you. It's <laughs> well, so I don't close. Know. His room is so tiny that what's yeah. playing in there is bouncing around that I room. I can't believe these mic speakers it. are playing lower than 120 to begin with. I mean, let's, let's be I honest. Know. I mean, I, I, if you're not localizing it right now, I would not worry about it. The uh, other thing speaker. is, with the speakers this close, uh, even those Aperians very well... I mean, how loud does he ever need to play his center I mean, and front right Quite speaker. literally get the largest electrospatic <laughs> speakers in the world and... Uh, drive them with a clock radio that are going to be requiring so little power. Um, I am suspecting that even with the 4B satellites, uh, you you probably could use 80 hertz and never... You could also probably use 120 hertz and never notice it. I would not strike the 4B speakers from your list over concerns that they won't play low enough. That, nope, keep them on your list. The Perian Intimus 4C center is rated down to 80 hertz, even though it looks like an MTM design. The second woofer is actually just a passive radiator, so would three of those be a better option? It wouldn't be any problem using two of them vertically. Uh, it's, that would be almost certainly a question for a, a Perian. You could call them and ask them, and they would tell you. But in general, I would say that a speaker that's meant to be in a specific orientation, if it doesn't say that you can switch it, I would assume that you can't. I but, don't know if I agree with that. It should be fine. It should be, but, you know, I don't know. Does it have some sort of waveguide on it? Could, you know, I mean, uh, without I mean, me looking at it. I mean, have a little, I'm, although actually, they, the waveguide appears in that center one to be the same as if it were vertical. Like, mm. so if it's doing anything, it's actually giving you wider vertical dispersion when it's looking like a normal horizontal center. Oh, okay. Um, it's that type of, I mean, I would, for sure make sure that i have the passive radiator at the top the active woofer woofer at the bottom and the tweeter in the middle and the passive radiator on top that's how i would orient it vertically it should be but you know what it's all moot because the 4b speakers would be totally fine i mean you've got so many options i mean the fact that you like ascend is great but i mean like a period a period i mean uh is great, but you know, there just about any at this distance, just about any speaker is going to be fine. <laughs> so, I mean, we, you could look at NHTs, you could look at RBHs. Well, you could and look all at, that's coming up. Oh my goodness! So okay, here we goes. go. He is very interested in the Ascend HTM 200 SE since we've mentioned them many times. But there's no dedicated center version. And turn on its side, the 200 SE would be six and a half inches tall, which would make his TV just a bit too high. Any chance Ascend would build him a regular looking MTM uh, would be worth the higher price. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they will. will. Uh, <laughs> they D- did Dave, for Rob. <laughs> Dave will make you a custom speaker. That That is something I can... I mean, I guess I shouldn't guarantee he will do it, but I would be kind of surprised if he wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't be that complicated to build. It's a sealed design, too, so it's not like he'd even have to work out something super strange with the port or anything like that. Uh, it would be an additional cost, though. He would, he would have an upcharge for doing a custom cabinet and... I mean, these are the most expensive out of the speakers he's considering, uh, full stop. And then you're talking about an additional price just to give you a custom cabinet that's a little bit narrower. Um, ugh. I'm sticking with the Aperians at this point. Yeah. I mean, you already know you love the five. The, the only difference between the five series and the four series is larger cabinets. It's the same uh, tweeter 
in the yeah. four series and the five series from Hyperion Intimacy. You already love those. I'm I'm sticking there. So he was uh, considering the RBH Impression Series speakers before, but now that they've discontinued them, the only mm. o- and only the bookshelf models are available. Plus, they're physically a bit large for the room he has to work with. Okay, to strike them I, I, from this list, yeah, I think you can strike them. I mean, I love time, R- yeah. I love RBH, but I would go small. I mean, you're tiny. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny room, tiny distances. Go with something small. So, what should he get? Are the NHT Super Series speakers a better choice than any of the other options? Better? No. Are they yeah. a option? They I are think an so. Option. I think so. I mean, if you came to me and said the the, the uh, appearance are this, the ascends are this, and the NHTs are half that, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be taking a look at the NHTs. hundred percent. They aren't. <laughs> they aren't. They're not going to be. You know. <laughs> right. But yeah, if he's worried, if you know, I mean. Black Friday sales coming up. There's, it's not without beyond the realm of possibility that he finds well, some sort of insane deal. The Aperians are on Black Friday sale right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I think you should get the Aperians. Like, I'm, I'm taking the cumulative thing. I'm looking at the prices, the availability, uh, the size, all the considerations, and I'm like, you know what? Those Aperian Intimus four series speakers fit what you want and need. You already know you love the slightly larger Intimus five series. I think that's the way to go here, Chris. All right. Andy. Andy says he already has a, uh, HBO now. So when HBO Max comes out in May 2020, what's going to be different? On the technical side, his HBO now s- service is limited to 1080p with 5.1 audio. Do we think HBO Max will support 4K, HDR, Dolby Vision, and Atmos? I mean, do, have they announced any of that yet? Because it's basically they're they, expanding the service to include what the Warner Brothers stuff. Is that right? I can't that's remember. That's right. Yeah. So HBO Max is different from HBO now on the content side, for sure. Because HBO Max, even though it's called HBO, is all of Warner Brothers. So it's all DC content, all Warner Brothers movies, Warner Brothers TV shows, and HBO content. So Max is a substantially different service than what HBO Now is offering at the moment. As they've said, the plan is to switch everybody from HBO Now over to HBO Max, either automatically or give everybody a way to do that. The price is the same. Mm. Uh, So there's pretty much no reason to not get HBO Max once it comes out. On the technical side, they haven't confirmed anything. I suspect that... They're going to have to. Disney Plus is making such waves that I think they're going to kind of force everybody to up their game, which is great. I want everybody to be forced to up their game. Um, So I I suspect HBO Max will have these things, but nothing has been confirmed. Can't say for sure. Clara. At the back of Clara's theater is a window, and outside of that window is her hot... As your air conditioning unit, you know, it's actually fairly quiet, but still loud enough to be audible through the window. Uh, that's my AC unit is on the exact opposite side of my house, mm-hmm. but my neighbor's AC unit is on the exact mm. opposite side of the fence from my window to my home <laughs> theater. And yes, I hear it all the time. She says it's a little distracting when it kicks in, uh, especially if it's during a quiet part of a movie. She replaced the seals around the window, and it's a window that can't be, uh, that, I'm sorry, that it's a window that can be open, so it doesn't block out all the sounds. So there's something that could go over the window to block more sound, but would still allow access to the window and would be thin enough that the blinds could still come down. Yes. Yep. <laughs> there are vinyl products that are pretty much exactly for this. Okay, well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. I was I was going to DIY something, but, you know. Oh, you, you okay. Could. Basically, I mean, in my home theater, what I've done is, you know, I, I put the blinds down. You know, like, I, I put the blinds down, and then 
if I need more light blockage or, you know, soundproofing or whatever, mm-hmm. I put stuff in the bay of the window between the blinds and the room, and then I put shades over the the windows or something in front right. of the windows. So actually behind but- my head in this theater is my 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 screen on the other side of that screen yeah. is a window. <laughs> it's yeah. just I just took off everything, closed the blinds. So from the outside of the house it just looks like the blinds are closed. From the inside of sure. the house there's a I'm projecting the 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 image on the screen in front of that window. But what would block sound that you could DIY in say the window bay? Well, I was thinking you could uh fill you could take insulate like uh the rock wool and put it in there. How much uh, is that going to actually block? Sound? Well, it's going to absorb some of it. I mean, I don't know about uh, blocking. Three decibels, though. It's not It's not so really much for soundproofing. What's the rest of it? Yeah, so there's a company called Trademark Soundproofing. Uh, there's also Acoustical Solutions. Both of them have... Um, so, I mean, the Acoustical Solutions one is literally just like a two-inch thick vinyl curtain. <laughs> uh, so it just hangs on eyelets. You can use Velcro to, um, you know, sort of seal it around the edges. Uh, but it's a fairly big, and it's like three hundred dollars or something like that. Um, so trademark uh, soundproofing. They have a very similar thing. They will actually custom cut the size uh, for your exact window if you want them to. Uh, so again, same thing, eyelets uh, at the top and bottom. So you can still roll it up, uh, use Velcro to secure it, uh, go seals right around your window uh, when it's down. It does, I mean, it does a decent job. We're talking maybe in the uh, 9 to 10 decibel range. Yeah. of uh, blocking sound. But I mean, that's kind of what you're looking for. If you're like, I can just sort of hear the compressor kicking on outside my window. Uh, this will knock it down. They also do offer a transparent version uh, since this is vinyl. So you can actually have it still looking like a window if that's important, uh, but it'll be a, a vinyl covering over it. That that's is the only thing I'm really ever worried about with these types of solutions is condensation. You know, yeah. That's but the... since they can be opened... You know, you can but close it when it's ever going to open it. <laughs> you know, that's the, right. I would never but open it. At least they it. can be. <laughs> that's not going to stop the mold from growing on the inside of this thing. <laughs> if you leave it down all the time. Right. Well, yeah, that's why I was looking for up. something. That's why I was looking for something that was a little bit breathable. Like mm. my thought process was, okay, you can fill it with insulation and then put like plywood or something, you know, and seal that up that way. But that's still, you're still looking at, you know, temperature changes. You're going to get condensation in there and then that's going to be an issue. So... Yeah, I guess make sure you do roll it up every once in a while. Make sure you roll it up, yep. (laughs) Clean it out, you know, it's going to happen. All right, so we've got left, Rob, we're done. Oh, are we now? Yes, we are. Uh, Damien D is on our list. He sent in a whole bunch of questions, as he often does. Uh, Michael R, uh, Patricio P, and Alan C. I believe that's everybody. Yep, that's the list. I did get a whole bunch of questions that came in on Monday, so add it to the list for next week. We want to thank our listener of the week, Brandon, for going to avrant.com and clicking on the Buy Us a Cup of Coffee link, as well as our 92 and growing patrons over at patreon.com. Yes, uh, Brandon, thank you very much for that PayPal donation. Anybody else would like to do a one-time PayPal donation? avrant.com, right-hand side, it says support avrant. There's a picture of a cup of coffee. And patreon.com slash avrantpodcast if you'd like to sign up for an automatic monthly donation. Thanks so much to our 92 patrons over there. Keep me happy. Yeah, don't make up. Rob cry. Don't. Gravy rant on Tom Andrew. And I'm Rob H. Now go out and listen to something. <laughs>